We are in Galatians, the sixth chapter, the last chapter of Galatians, trying to get out of this verse, can't get out of verse one yet. I remember my father, I said some weeks ago, my father preached John 17 for like 20 something weeks straight. Verses one and two. <laughs> it was just amazing. But he pulled so much out of that scripture. It was like, I, and every time he preached, it was like, there was more there. There was more there. So the thing about going line by line is line by line, um, well, let me put it this way. It is good for the church to be balanced. Balanced people make good decisions. Amen? When you are in balance, uh, in balance, you uh, walk differently. You, you, you uh, think differently. Amen? Um, you don't just look good on the outside. There's a wholeness to you on the inside. Line by line preaching allows me to go back, recheck and recheck and check again and check again. And, and there'll, be, there'll, there'll be things that I will highlight the first time around. And, and then, you know, the next verse or the next part of the verse will bring in the balance. So a few Sundays ago, I preached uh, the first part of this verse. And we thank you so much to Brother Boxton for uh, stepping in Sunday, last Sunday, and preaching an awesome message. If you didn't get it, please go back and listen to it. Um, but I preached uh, the first part of this verse, verse 6 and 1. Um, which deals with having compassion for the sinner. Amen. You remember? Amen. And that's side A. Now, side B is the not-so-nice part of the verse. There's another side of the verse that we must look at uh, if we are going to, as I said, have balance. The Holy Spirit wants the church to use discernment when it comes to restoring church members, not just our emotions, not just our desire to love, not, our, not just our desire to restore, but to use discernment after many have been uh, captured by sin or fallen in sin. This is the tough part of pastoring, but it is essential. I've gotten in trouble by trying to do this verse. Um, it's what we must do. It's a part of making sure that we are honoring Jesus Christ um, as we lead the people that he died for. Amen? It's important for people to forgive. Amen? Forgiveness is essential. Jesus said if we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. Um, why? Because in forgiving others, we prove that we have the same spirit as the Father, and the Father has forgiven us. So based on the forgiveness that we have received, we are able to forgive those who have sinned against us. It's just in our new nature now. We have the ability to forgive others. However, that forgiveness is not the same thing as reconciliation. Amen? We must forgive, but we don't always have to allow, well, we're not commanded to allow a toxic person that has decided they will continue to sin against us and damage us even more uh, simply because they refuse to change. We're not supposed to put ourselves in that position. Here's the balance. Amen? As it is in our personal relationships, so it is in the church body. Amen? Um, when a member has sinned, we must forgive them. But restoration of that individual all depends on their repentance. Uh, turning from sin in the body of Christ is essential. But turning from sin cannot be something that we just, you know, throw aside and say, well, that's not that important. Because without repentance, the sin will continue to live in the church and hurt the body of Christ. Oh. Sin destroys, and Jesus wants his bride, which is his church, to be protected from anything that can cause it harm. I love my wife. And as her husband one who is connected to her, one who is one with her, there have been times when I've had to protect her 
from things that would be harmful. If we're walking down the street and I'm a man and, I, and she said, sweetie, why don't we just take this shortcut and go down this, this dark alley in San Francisco? I might go, no. No. Oh, we'll be okay, but we ain't doing that today. No, we're not. Because this day's going to be scuffle-free. You know what I mean? I'm just going to not get into it with somebody who just thinks that I have on some nice shoes and I might have some money. Okay? We're going to be smart about this. There are things, there are times when I protect my bride. Jesus wants his bride, the church, protected. And sin is something we have to be careful with. Even a little bit of sin. The Bible says a little bit of leaven. Leavens the whole lump. That is used in Galatians 5 when it talks about, come on, Holy Spirit, bring it back to me. False teaching and how false teaching can get in the church and mess the church up because people begin to deal with legalism and, and start to think that, oh, it's all about my moral code and how I straighten myself up versus depending on the Holy Spirit. But that's not the only place where Paul has mentioned this. He's used this same analogy. When you use a little bit of leaven, it allows the bread to grow and rise when you put it in the bake, uh, the, the oven or so. You know, it, it, it's just a little bit is all it takes. It's just a pinch. You know, if you put too much, your house will explode. You know, you just, but just a little bit of, just a little bit of leaven will cause, you know, the bread to, to rise. He used it not only in Galatians, he also used it in Corinthians, where there was a church who was gifted, greatly gifted. And coming out of Galatians, in the fifth chapter, we're talking about, you know, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, which is, you know, the last one is self-control. You know, that's one of the last ones that's mentioned to us. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, self-control. Amen? So what is happening there is he said, listen, if you will follow the Spirit, you won't give in to your flesh. And then he moves in from that to, you know, these personal relationships and whatever have you. We don't want to be in sexual sin. We don't want to be in idolatry. We don't want to be drunkards. We don't want to be, you know, people that are high showing up in church. We don't want to be any of those things. Amen? Because that's not protecting the church. So if we follow the Spirit, we won't be in those things. And then in verse 6, or 1 of verse 6, he says, if you happen to fall into something, if you fall back into the very thing that Jesus rescued you from, hmm, be careful. Amen? But ye who are spiritual, brother, you see it? If one is overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness. Now, two days ago, we dealt, I mean, two Sundays ago, rather, we dealt with the attitude of the church towards people who have fallen, who have been ambushed, caught off guard, and in sin, and we must have compassion. This Sunday, we're going to look at the individuals in the church who are qualified to deal with certain situations, these delicate situations. Amen? These situations are delicate. And then we're also going to look at some warnings that are just right there in verse 1. Amen? All right. You ready? Here we go. Galatians 6.1. Brethren, now notice it does not say pastors. Elders. Big wigs in church, church mothers, international bishops, TV evangelists, people with healing ministries, leaders. It doesn't say that. It just says brethren. It says brethren. This means the whole church. Guess what you are? You're our brethren. You know, if you just, you know, into that women's lib thing, sister and whatever, how you want to be. Brethren. Sin is something, in other words, that the whole church deals with, not just the pastor. Oh, okay. The church are the brethren. We are the body of Christ. If you love the body, then the body will protect the body. Are you hearing me? So it is in the church's responsibility, in the realm of the responsibility of the whole church, the corporate church, to make sure that we love the church by protecting the church from sin. What are you saying? Sin is something that the whole church deals with. Paul is saying we don't overlook sin. 
Now, I got in trouble with that right there. Because for whatever reason, people love pastors who can teach and preach, but stay out of their business. I just love my pastor. Why? Because he has no clue of what I'm doing. <laughs> and he'll never find out. So if a man be, is overtaking pastors, leaders, teachers, church members, choir members, musicians, uh, ushers, children, Sunday school teachers, if someone is overtaken in a sin, are you seeing it? Caught off guard, the fault. Ye which are spiritual. Let's go there. Mature believers. Okay, so now we've gone from just noticing and not pretending like we didn't see that to who now is supposed to engage. Ah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Ye which are spiritual. Uh, ye who are mature believers, not newcomers with no compassion, who got saved yesterday, don't have any experience of falling. You know, I got saved yesterday. I'm just on fire for Jesus. I ain't going to do nothing wrong. No, we don't want you to come in here <laughs> and try to deal with someone who needs to be freed from what they've been caught up in. Ye who are spiritual, not just loving, not but experienced. Oh, I know what it is to fall. I know what it is to pray myself out of some. I know what it is to, to say I was caught and, and messed up. I know what it is to say, you know, you know, I got saved and I didn't see it coming. But I, I, I cut out there and, 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 and someone prayed for me and someone loved on me and, and, and now I know how to deal with you. I'm not just going to come in here and point my finger at you and say, look at you, what's wrong with you? Get it together, Christian. No, that's the wrong attitude. Ye, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, who are spiritual, who are experienced, who have an understanding of what it means to fall. You people, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Amen? In love and gentleness, as we said. But let's restore those who want to be restored. Uh oh. Crickets. <laughs> Ye who are spiritual, restore those who want to be restored. Second Samuel 12. Let's see if we got this right. I hope I sent this right to you, Keisha. First verse. Yes. There it is. All right. So the Lord sent Nathan, ye who are spiritual, <laughs> the prophet, some kind of experience here, to tell David, the king, this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich and the other was poor. I'm going to stop there because a lot of us know the story of David and Bathsheba. David was in sin. This is a story about murder, yes, but the murder started because of a sexual adultery situation. David stole somebody's wife. Uriah, am I right? All right. So this is sexual sin. Someone is sleeping around with somebody's wife or somebody's husband. Okay? All right? And it ends up being a very tragic, tragic situation. We know the story. Skip to verse 8. Let me just move. Skip down to verse 8. Okay. This is God speaking through the ye who are spiritual, <laughs> who are mature. Amen? He says to David through Nathan, I gave your master, gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, and if that had not been enough, I would have given you even more, much more. You much, much more, right? You see that? I would have given you much, much more. 
Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. Whatever you're doing, if you can't do it like God is right there looking at you, then you don't need to be doing it. Whatever it is. Okay? From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. It's interesting. It seems like God is focused not on the murder. God is focused on the cause. You see that? Now, here's the catch. David says in verse 13, then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord, will, the Lord has forgiven you, and you will not die for this sin. Even though there were consequences, the baby died, and there was all kinds of problems in David's family from then on. Amen? But David repented. David acknowledged his sin. David turned from his sin. How do you know that? Well, he wrote about it. Psalm 51. Go. Psalm 51. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. This is God having a conversation with David. David is talking to the Lord saying, Lord, I did it. I've blown it. It was me. I messed up. Hide thy face from my sins, Lord, and blot out all mine iniquities. Forgive me and don't remember the murder. Don't remember the adultery. God, forgive me. Okay? Verse 10, created me a clean heart. Change how I think about how I live. Create something in me. If it's not there, put it there, Lord. Whatever I got me in this situation, remove that and put in what is right. Create the kind of heart uh, that will live for you and live holy before you. I don't want to be messing around with somebody else's wife. Amen? I'm going to be messing around with somebody else's husband. Oh, God, and renew a right spirit within me. Give me the power to live holy. (laughs) Create a clean heart in me, right thinking, and then give me the power. Give me your assistance. I need your assistance. I've already proven I can't do this by myself. I can't hang. I'm going to need some assistance here. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit will not leave you. Amen? However, what he's saying here is he's concerned about it. I got off track. I value our closeness, God. My fellowship is now my number one priority. I understand now. I messed up, but I won't let sin get in the way anymore, Father. My dad wrote a song. He said, holy, holy, holy one. I never want to let you down no more. Hey, Lord, help me. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be this way. So what I need you to do, Father, is you need to help me to understand how important my fellowship is with you. That way I don't prioritize the wrong things. You know what I'm saying? Cast me not away from thy presence and take not your spirit from me. Amen. Then number 12, here's that word that we see in Galatians 6 and 1, restore. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. This sin has taken my joy. It's crushed me to the ground. Give me back the joy that I had before when, we were, when I was saved and I was connected to you. And this sin was, you, are you, am I right, David? When, 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 I, when I got saved and I was, I was like, ooh, you forgave me, really? You love me? You, you gave your son for me? Really? You would do all that for me? I, now, look what I did with it. Now, I want to go back to where we were in the beginning, where this all started. You rescued me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Support me. Uphold me with the spirit that was given freely to me that I could have never earned in the first place. Huh? Give me the spirit, you know, hold, uphold me, support me with the spirit that I could never earn. I am now free. It was free for me, and it's what keeps me free. Hey, I hate this prison that I'm in, Lord. I hate it. I want out. I want to be free. 
Okay? Then, verse 13, then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners will be converted unto thee. Then you can use me, God. <laughs> to teach others how to stay out of the prison I just got out of. Amen? Then you can use me to, to, to teach others, Father, to, to stay away from sin by following your way. Folks can get saved through you speaking through me, God. You can even use this mess that I made. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I, I can get bold enough to say, listen, honey, don't go that way. I already did that. I tried that. I'm not ashamed to say it. I got out of it. Been there, done that. Don't do that. You don't want none of that. Stay with the Lord. Now you can use me and even my mess. You can take all that and use it for your good. Woo! Hallelujah. This is a picture of the repentant heart. Are you hearing me, sis? Hosea, just a little bit more. Hosea 14, 4, 1 through 4. Uh, come on, Jim, you got to move. Hosea 14, 1 through 4. Here it is. Return. You see that? O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have been brought, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and, again, return. You see that? To the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Assyria cannot save us, nor can war horses. I don't put my trust in anybody else, God. I want to offer sacrifices to you, Father, with a clean heart. Not just serve you while I'm in my mess. You see that? Never again will we say that to the idols we have made, you are our gods. No, in you alone do the orphans find mercy. The Lord says, then, after all that returning, you see it? I will heal you for your faithlessness. My love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. Wow. By turning. I didn't get the title. This title is called Playing with Fire. Playing with Fire. Sorry about that. All right. Where was I? Back to Galatians 6 and 1. Brethren, whole church, if a man be overtaken in a sin, fault, ye which are spiritual, mature, able to deal with the situation delicately because you have some experience, and you are praying, you're spiritual people, you're walking in the spirit, restore without any superiority, without any, you know, pride. We'll deal with that in a minute. Restore such and one in the spirit of meekness, gentleness, not harsh, you know, words or, you know, like judgmental ways, like, you know what I mean? Those who are, you know, needing to be restored, restore them in meekness, gentleness. Here's the part we're talking about today. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Say it again with me, playing with fire. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. This is a way and I'm talking about it next Sunday, this is one of the ways, but probably the primary way. Yeah, I would say that. The primary way that the church loves on the church. What good is it if I cook you a bunch of chicken dinners if I allow you to live in sin? I spot you $5, but you're going to hell. I gave you an encouraging word. Gave you a hug, showed love to you. But I'm completely overlooking the biggest way that I could love you. And in doing this, I've got to be careful. Considering thyself, considering myself, looking at myself. Jamie has some issues. Those issues ain't gone yet. They're under the Holy Spirit's control. They don't get out like they used to. I may struggle with it. 
I may have a flashback. Then God got to bring me back from a flashback. <laughs> it happens every week. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> you follow me? The Lord brings me back. That's not who you are anymore, Jamie. Considering myself, lest I also, thou also be tempted. Loving the body means that if I know a part of the body, my brother and sister in Christ is in trouble, I do all I can to rescue part of the body, just like your natural body, right? Last night, my children were cold, and my wife is shivering a little bit. We have a fireplace. I see some logs in there. I'm like, you know what? Let me go ahead and start a fire. I get in there, I start a fire, and I had a thought. You know? Daddy, going to start a fire. Everybody want a fire? Yeah, Dad, let's start a fire. You got to do it. All right. Let's start the fire. Everybody get warm. Now, as I'm starting the fire, I notice, if anybody has ever done this, I'm sure you have, you're going to feel the heat. Okay? And if my hand, I'm talking about your natural body, if my hand gets too close to the fire, my mind, which is the head, says to the shoulder, which connects it to the arm and the forearm, pull the hand back into safety. Right? Now, if this were possible and the hand were somehow connected to the body, and the hand doesn't respond. Just go with me for a minute. The hand tells the arm to pull back the hand to safety because that's what we would naturally do to protect ourselves when we feel the heat. I don't want my hand to just burn up. But let's just say that somehow I have a hand that likes to play with the fire. Oh, Lord. And no matter what the rest of the body is doing, to get the hand out of the fire, the, the hand is just like, no, it's kind of cozy in here. I like this. I want to get as close to it as possible. Burn me up. The rest of the body is doing all it can. I've just got to drive this home to protect the hand. But it just will not respond. No matter the warning, no matter the pulling, no matter if I grab you by the ankles, you just love that heat. Uh, there's something that says that something wrong. It, it, because the body is knowing that the fire is dangerous, but the hand doesn't seem to care. It's drawn to it. Amen? And if that happened, if that were even possible, we would have to assume that even though the hand is on the body, maybe the hand is not really connected to the body. Are you hearing me? Oh, God, help me with this. It's not really part of the body. Maybe because it's pretending to be a member of the body with no real connection. What are you saying? It's the same thing in the church. If you know someone who is in sin, your nature will be to pull the person that you think is a part of the body out of the sin. But if you do all your pulling, and several members do all their pulling, and they don't respond, then maybe you are attending the same building as the body, but you're not connected with the body. Nope. Oh, help me, Lord. We should not allow our brothers and sisters to be in sin and say nothing about it. If they refuse to leave that situation, no matter what it is, they are proving they are really not a part of the body of Christ. Oh, my goodness. In that case, you must separate. 
before you get burnt up with it. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Why? Because they drag you into where they are, which is no longer where God wants you to be. Are you following me? Okay. That's hard to say. But it is a command from God. Where do you get that from, Jamie? First Corinthians 5. First Corinthians 5. Paul is condemning spiritual pride. Verse 1. I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. So you are proud of yourselves. But you should be mourning and sorrowing and shame. Why? Because sin affects the church. Paul is saying this is dangerous. And then he says this, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. Why? Our church is huge. We got 3,500 members. We got satellite TV and all kinds of stuff going on. We're just big. We don't really come against anything. We don't really talk about sin. We don't confront anybody. You really don't know what you got. I would say that this is one of the main reasons why a lot of churches grow, or should I say, are inflated. Because nobodies are infected. They're swelling instead of growing, pussing up because nobody's dealing with the truth. And Jesus is basically saying, I'd rather you have two or three people gathered in my name. I'll be in the midst. <laughs> then you have 3,500, and I don't know who the rest of these folks really are. They don't know me, and I don't know them. Oh, come on, Jamie. First Corinthians 5, you can skip down to the 6th verse. You're boasting about this is terrible. They were like, well, we're acting in love. We are people that love people, and... You know, we forgive and we just kind of overshadow and we, our love covers the multitudes of sin. It doesn't say anything about covering up. Are you hearing me? So you're boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little? Here it is again. Yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Get rid of the old yeast by removing that wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast. Which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So what is he saying? He's saying something that a lot of us pastors have to do if we're going to pastor the church in a way that Christ Jesus wants us to. Discipline is necessary. It's necessary for the church to retain, to retain its holy character in the eyes of the world. So the people don't say, you know what? You want me to go to church, but y'all look just like us. Y'all fooling around carrying on just like us. Who y'all members are? Oh, yeah, I know them. And there goes the reputation of the church right there. I need to give my life to God because who is in your church? You see that? So it's necessary for the church to retain its holy character in the eyes of the church, but also so that the Holy Spirit may work ungrieved in its midst. Now, this is big. The Holy Spirit can still preach through the teacher, do miracles, and provide all kinds of things for, for everybody. He can be Jehovah Jireh, my provider, and all that stuff. But that is not always an indication that he's happy with what's going on in the church. Are you hearing me, saints? Girl, we had church this Sunday. I'm telling you, <laughs> church was good, girl. You missed it. You missed it. We, I'm telling you, that pastor preached, girl. Pastor, just, I mean, that man was on fire. He preached. It's too bad that our deacons are sleeping with every single choir member we have, but we had church. Man, I'm telling you, church was on fire. Woo. I mean, it's too bad that our whole finance committee is a bunch of crooks. But, you know, hey, we had church. And when that man walked in with that cane, 
and, and walked out to the front, and the pastor laid his hand on him, and then he took the cane and threw it and walked out without no cane. When I tell you, we shouted up that church and tore that church up so much. We're going to need a building fund for where I shout. One writer said this. The true glory of the Christian church consists not in the eloquence and gifts of its great teachers, but in the moral purity and exemplary lives of its members. Whoa. So the indication that God is really in control of this church will never be how great I preach. The indication of whether or not God is in control of this church will be whether or not after I preach you change. That's how we know he was so anointed, he was so anointed, and he broke no yokes. I'm still yoked up to my sin like Saturday night or Monday night, went through church and nothing changed. The anointing destroys the yoke. If there's no breaking, there is no anointing. No matter how much we ran, no matter how much excitement was in the building, nothing happened. It could all be fleshly. If, if nobody's, nobody's getting changed. changed. Are you Are hearing, you hearing me, saints? Right. When sin goes unchecked in the church, it's a sign that the church may be more interested in numbers than in holiness. Woo! Help me, Lord. All right, Pastor, where are you going with this? Second Corinthians, the second chapter. So this man was sleeping around with his mother, and the church was like, you know, we're just a loving group of people. We're not going to really confront the situation. We're not going to deal with it. We're not going to say nothing. I'm not going to call nobody. Nobody's going to know about it. We're just going to sweep it under the rug like it doesn't, like it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even matter. The whole church knows what's going on. I got kicked out because of this stuff right here. This is it. I know people don't want to hear that, but it's true. I said, you know what? Not on my watch. And they said, you know what? You up out of here. Because we just don't want to be that kind of church. It was true. I said it. That's what happened. Amen? Restoration has taken place. Now, in 2 Corinthians, because the church had decided to deal with this young man, in 1 Corinthians, when they found out about the sin and was trying to sweep it under the rug, Paul wrote this scathing letter and said, listen, deal with this person, kick this person out of the fellowship, and deliver such a one into Satan. Amen? And then here in the second chapter of 2 Corinthians, look at what he said. Look at the turnaround because the church did what God said. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 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 2 and 5. I am not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt uh, you all, uh, all of you rather, more than he hurt me, but most of you opposed him. And that punishment was enough. Now, however, now that you've done it the right way, it's time to forgive him and comfort him. Wow. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm, there it is, that there's the restore. The same guy, reaffirm him with your love. The same guy who was dealt with about the sin that they all didn't want to deal with, that same guy, the church said, you know what, I got to put some distance between me and you. Because I want you to feel this. I'm not here to be your sin cushion. You're not going to sit here and have the protection that's given to the church while you're living in a way that you, and you don't want to change. So now I allow you to feel it. And by the time you get out there with Satan, you realize what he's going to do to you? If, they're, if they belong to God, they'll come running back to God. And when they do, meekness, love, Forgiveness, restoration, no superiority complex, no point of finger, no, no, no. Guess what, honey? You just like the rest of us. Welcome back. I love you. God brought me out of some stuff too. Welcome to the party. <laughs> Are you hearing me? This is not the stuff that people like to talk about. 
But this is real. Back to Galatians 6 and 1. Let's put, let's put this to bed real quick. All right. Galatians 6 and 1. All right. So, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. There's a couple of things here I want us to kind of be, wake up. Wake up. Don't go to sleep on this. Considering thyself, let's also be tempted. Not just in the obvious way of dealing with the same thing the person is dealing with. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there's also something that's a little bit subtle that we have to be careful of. Saints. The spirit of pride. Okay? We are to report sin. Now, that's, now that dealing with sin does not mean that we turn into God's FBI agents. <laughs> And we just look at it. I'm coming over to see what you're doing. I'm Inspector 572 of the Holy Spirit, reporting for duty. And I am purposely looking under everybody's mess to see what I can find. That's the wrong spirit. Okay? Just looking to bust people out. I, you know, I know people like that. You know, some of the old saints from my granddaddy's church was like that. It was like, whoo! Man, ain't nobody going to get saved up here. <laughs> Y'all pretty rough, you know? Restoration is not primarily on the FBI agent of the Holy Spirit's mind, okay? They have a proud spirit. They're looking to humiliate somebody. Uh -huh. And a lot of times people do that so they can feel better about themselves. So you got to watch that spirit. And all of us can slip into that. Be careful with that. There's a way to consider yourself. Not just in, oh, I hope I don't get into what she or he was into, but considering yourself, consider your attitude, consider your motive, consider your come across. The pride thing is always the subtle one that we don't see. Wake up. A superiority spirit can sneak in and render you useless for working in the kingdom of God. You're working against the spirit because you will expose people without love. You expose people without wanting them to be restored. Your motive is off. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The fruit of the Spirit is first love. When my children tell them, when, they tell, you know, when you're immature, you know, you, your, your brothers and sisters telling you, they'll be like, Mommy, let me tell you what happened. I saw uh, Elijah and someone like, whatever, it pays that they were doing such and such and such and such. What you gonna do? You gonna get them? Can I watch? Get them, Daddy. That I told him that. I told him. I told him. Wrong spirit. We got to tell everybody every now and then. Listen, don't be the tattlesome. Your heart is wrong. You're not trying to correct the person. You're not trying to get the person. You're not trying to deliver them into a safe place. You just want them to get beat up and struck down by lightning by the Lord or something. What's going on now? That's the wrong spirit. Are you hearing the difference? So protecting yourself or considering yourself when you're dealing with folks and restoring people who have fallen to sin has everything to do with you looking at your, your heart and wondering if there's an ounce of pride there. Because if you're not careful, you could be used by the devil to do something that's exactly the opposite of what God really intends. He wants them restored. He doesn't want them running out of church because of how you treated them. Oh, okay. All right. Now the obvious one. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. There is a problem sometimes with overconfidence. Amen? We get saved. We had, you know, a drink two years ago. And we start feeling, okay, I think I got this one. I've let Jack and Daniels alone. Jamie, you are so stupid. <laughs> y'all pray for me. I can tell y'all not praying, see? <laughs> Overconfidence, lest you also be tempted. Now, I got this from Spurgeon. Spurgeon said something that's pretty powerful. He said, Paul does not say consider yourself lest you also fall. He said, lest ye also be tempted. 
But what he's saying here is, in as much as to say, you will be sure to fall if you are tempted. Oh, the man who thinks that other people ought to be cast off because they have committed a fault is so proud in his own heart that he only needs to be tempted and he will end up falling too. You show your weakness. There was a man a while back, two TV evangelists. I'll never forget, I was a kid. One man got busted and it all came out. And then there was another preacher that was like, see, I told you. Look at it. Look how they do it. And my daddy had a field day with this. My dad was like, something ain't right with this man's spirit, though. He said, why are we praying for him? Why aren't we sorrowful? Why aren't we mourning? I mean, this other TV evangelist, I guess his rival for ratings, just jumped on him. And a couple of weeks later, somebody was like, well, what's under here? Oh! And before you know it, he's on the front page of the city. I have sinned. Tears flowing. You ain't no better than the one you was accusing. What happened? You're not careful. Unless you fall. You're not, you're not careful. Amen? You're not careful. You're not considering yourselves. You're overconfident. This is a very expressive way of putting the matter. Looking out for yourself, Spurgeon says, lest you also be tempted. So in 1 Corinthians 10, there's too much scripture to come out here. 1 Corinthians 10, what time is it? Oh, preach, boy, just preach. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13. Mm. This scripture has blessed me. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Mm, I just saw that. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But watch this. But will with the temptation. Somebody shout on that one. Along with the temptation that he allows. What? With the temptation also make a way to escape. So we don't do this perfectly, saints. If we're honest, there are some times when we slip in. I shouldn't have said that. I, I, didn't, I didn't pay attention. God was trying to stop me. Here's the thing. The truth is, is God, in spite of our inconsistency, God is consistent. He is faithful. He's always providing a way of escape. There's never been a time when God is not saying, look, quick, wait, over here, run. I've opened the door. You can get out. There's not been a time when he has not done that. If you look back, you know what? I was getting ready to do something, and the phone rang. I was getting ready to do something, and God just changed my thought. But I pushed the thought out and went right back to the phone rang. I didn't, my kids was like tapping me on my leg before I said it. Daddy, I need something. Daddy, that's the Holy Spirit telling you don't say that next sentence. Don't jump into bed with so-and-so. You, know, you get a phone call right before you get ready to do your dirt. Hey, I'm just calling you. Are you coming to choir rehearsal? Well, you ain't picking up? Okay, I left you a message. The Lord always provides. Always. Always. Always provides a way of escape for his babies. Don't you tell me he left you high and dry. No, you left him and decided you're going to do what you want to do. That's what really happened. Ah, preach Pastor Hawkins. All right. With the temptation, also make a way of escape. Power from God. Interruption. Something happens every single time. God is faithful. That you may be able to bear it. But if we are in a fixed position of constantly ignoring God when he's providing a way out of sin, then we prove that we really don't want to escape. 
So the question is, is to restore or not to restore? They're playing with fire, and they actually just really like it. Are you hearing me? He that standeth, take heed, lest he fall. I'll never forget this. No, I'm done yet. I was on tour. I'm sorry I have so many tour stories, but they just never ended. I could write a book. I was on tour, and one night, I never forget. I'll never forget. I've told the story before, but I just new audience. I'm gonna tell it on, on, online. I was playing. I had a girlfriend back then, and I called myself trying to be faithful and whatever have you. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna be faithful to my girlfriend. I'm not gonna be out here fooling around. And there's girls everywhere, every night. It's just, you know, the, you, are, you, are you with the band? <laughs> Oh, I like the band. I saw you. You're with them. Aren't you with them? So, you know, you get that every night. And so, you know, I'm at the height of my self-righteousness. And I'm saying to myself, I can pass the test. Why? Because I'm saying First night, I'll never forget it. First night, children, cover your ears. First night, some girl comes up to me, and you know she's cute, and she makes a move. And I looked at her in the elevator on my way to my room, and I said no. And I got up, off on the floor, walked straight to my room, nothing happened, and I remember saying to myself, wow, I must be pretty strong in the Lord. Well, the next night, the very next night, in another city, Satan was like, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to give Jamie the deluxe version of sin and add cheese. <laughs> we're going to put whatever we need to put on this to where Jamie, maybe he didn't like that version, but I'm giving him the deluxe version. And that night I fell miserably. Just, I'll just say sin. It was bad. And I'd never forget, I'm sitting there in my room saying to myself, what happened? What? I don't, it was almost like I was two different people. One night I was this guy and the, next, the very next night I was this guy. I, I said, what happened? The Lord allowed me to see myself without his protection. Why? Because I was cocky and overconfident. And I was depending on my own strength. And I thought I was able to deal with it. I'm going somewhere. Peter. Remember Peter. I'll never leave you, Lord. I will stick by you, Lord. I will hang with you, Lord. Don't you? <laughs> Come hell or want. I'm down with you, Jesus. And the soldiers came. And Peter saw the lights. And the folks coming in the chains and the, and the swords and the, Peter got scared. And every single disciple, including Peter, who put his foot in his mouth, denied Christ. Peter denied Christ three times in one night in a row. I don't know who... Do you, you think I spent the last three years? I don't know him. I don't know who Jesus... He's the Savior of the world? Who are you talking about? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ? The Son of God? I don't know him. Overconfidence. We must be careful with the spirit of pride and the spirit of overconfidence. Are you hearing me? Amen. Am I done here? Did I get it through everything? I preached it. I think. Okay, last one. And only because people think that this is a major thing that, you know, church folks don't deal with. Last scripture and I'm done. When we're talking about restoring people. You ready? Here we go. Real quick. 1 Corinthians 6.18. Some people know the scripture. But I, I, I got to put this out there because I believe the Holy Spirit is leading me to deal with a certain problem. That seems to just plague churches. And yes, including ours. The word of God says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Now, I don't want to be too deep, but not just your own, but the body. 
Oh, did you not see that? Okay, what are you saying, Pastor? A lot of us will tell people when we're dealing with folks, you know, who are in sexual sin, well, you just need to pray more. You need to read the word. You don't know the word. That's your problem. You don't know the word. You don't believe the word. You know, you need to pray. This word, flee, means run. <laughs> so you might need to pray. You might need to read the word. But first, sweetie, nephew, young person, old person, still getting it on, whatever you're trying to do that you shouldn't be doing, what you need to do first is run! You can pray after you get to where you're supposed to be getting to. But first thing I want you to do is run. Quit telling people you just need to read the word. Read the word after you run. This is dangerous. Run. Flee. Save your life. Run. If you're facing a lion, you're going to be like, well, let me, hold on, let me get some scripture. You're going to be up in that lion's mouth. He's going to grab you by your neck. Run first. Read later. <laughs> if you can't read while you're running, then too bad. <laughs> so here we go. There are people that we know that are in sin. If they want to be restored, if they want to be restored, if they want to be restored, and you are mature enough to handle that, then begin the restoration process, confronting them with love, with meekness, okay? You can't finish the restoration process because then you need to bring it to the elders and they will deal with it, okay? People like me, Rick, Keith, Dave, got it? All right, if you're not mature enough to handle it, then send it to people who can lovingly snatch them out of that fire, okay? But if it looks like they just want to play with fire, then you must put some distance between you and that person. And let Satan have his way with them to the point to where since they hopefully belong to God, they will come running back to God like the prodigal son did. Come out of sin. We will not be your spiritual cushion up in this church while you refuse to change. If you want to play with fire, this is not the place to do it. Not in this church. We're going to do things in God's way. There may not be more of us ever than this, but what we will never do is let this church grow to thousands and thousands of members while, we got, while everybody's sleeping on sin. We will not do it. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to pray. 